Everybody has a story to tell. In this episode of the Latino Business Report, our guest is Alejandra de la Torre. Alejandra's pathway to success was not linear. At a very early age, she was told that after high school, she'd be getting married and having babies, which was the path for most Latinas in those days. However, Alejandra didn't see it that way. She wanted something much more. As a child, she was determined to do things her way. She did not like depending on others. Alejandra wanted to do things for herself. When she was in second or third grade, her class hosted a career day. And that was the day that changed her life. A well-dressed Latina walked into the room carrying a briefcase and wearing pantyhose. Little Alejandra had never seen that and she had no idea who she was or what she did. All she knew is that she wanted to be like her. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking with a woman that I met about a year ago. Her name is Alejandra de la Torre. She was actually one of Tamak's Women of Distinction recipients. Very interesting woman. She is an independent contractor for State Farm Insurance and a part of the Million Dollar Roundtable. Successful businesswoman, but that success has an interesting story behind it and how she got there. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Alejandra, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, JR. How about yourself? Mia, I couldn't be any better. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it's We've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm glad you were able to make time and finally get everything going so we could do this. But Alejandra, right now you're a State Farm, uh, well, you're an independent contractor selling exclusively for State Farm. Yes. And you're part of the Million Dollar Roundtable. For those who are not familiar with that, what does that mean? It's the top 1% of insurance agents and financial service agents in the world. Wow. So you don't have to say it. I will. That means you're definitely there at the top and very successful at what you do. But I have to ask this question. Did you always want to be an insurance agent? No, JR. You know, who who goes to school <laughs> wanting to be an agent, <laughs> insurance agent, right? Um, I just, you know, I just stumbled upon it, but I... Uh, I really do like it. I Okay. And you're obviously successful at it, but so let's let's kind of go back a little bit and tell your story, Alejandra. So you're you're raised in El Paso and mm-hmm. Yeah, raised in El Paso by two traditional, very traditional Hispanic parents. You know, my dad's first generation, my mom's from Mexico, from Juarez, Ciudad Juarez. So I was raised in a very nice traditional Mexican family. Okay. And you're, when you're being raised, I mean, your goal in life was to do what? Not my goal. My parents' goal was to be a housewife and a mom, right? Right out of high school, I was going to get married, have babies. So, you know, what I was getting taught was how to cook and clean and, and be a nice housewife. <laughs> so, so growing up, you didn't really have, that's what, that's what your parents said you were going to do. So that's what you thought you were going to do. Yes. What changed? You know, um, second or third grade, we had one of those days where it's career day and people come in and, you know, parents and professionals come in and talk to you. And, you know, we've had other 
career days that I've been part of, but this particular one, I saw this Latina. To this day, I can't remember what she looks like or what she, what her profession was, but she was wearing pantyhose and she had a briefcase. And I was just like, what? She's not a housewife? And, and um, there is an opportunity for someone that looks like me and looks like my mom that can uh, have pantyhose and carry a briefcase. So when I was asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to wear pantyhose and I want to have a briefcase. So that's what changed it for you. That's changed it for me. I I realized that I didn't have to get married and be a housewife right out of high school. So I always wanted to do something else. So that kind of the the little, little uh, foco went off in your head and goes, okay, I I can do something else. But Alejandra, you have a very entrepreneurial spirit. What, what drives you to go out and, now, who doesn't like making money? But you were determined to make money, not so much for the purpose of making money, but you saw that making money and being successful in business had its advantages. So from what, from what I understand, talking to friends of yours, that you started off at a very young age determined to actually start buying things for yourself. Yeah, you know, I was like six years old when I went with my mom to Kmart. Does anybody remember those stores, Kmart? <laughs> we're, we're aging ourselves. Yeah, we're now. aging ourselves. So um, I wanted to buy uh, lipstick, lip gloss, and there there was three different shades, you know, the pink, the orange, and the golden color. And I told my mom I want one, and she said, you can pick one because I'm going to buy myself a plant. My mom liked plants. And I remember thinking, I hate being dependent on my parents for money. Because if I had my money, I would buy three. And if I'm waiting for them to buy, I could only buy one. So, you know, the wheel started turning. Well, what can I do at six or seven years old to make money? And trust me, I tried and I failed because I knocked on neighbors' doors to see if they wanted a for me to cut the grass and they would say something, Oh no, sweetie, that's okay. And then the next day my brother's cutting their grass and, um, I was too young to babysit. So I couldn't babysit. And then I, I thought of, well, if I go ask them if they want me to wash their car tires, I can wait, wait, wait. to do what to wash the tires of their car. And I, I created this business where, I was going to go and I got no customers. And that's when I realized, man, my dad's the only one that cares about having clean tires. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else cares about having clean tires. So <laughs> that was just my dad's thing. Like, Limpia las well, think, <laughs> yeah. well, it is a thing. I know that, but usually you wash you know, when you when you wash the tires, you wash the rest of the car. It's kind of, I can't imagine. Just, just let me wash your tires because I'm so... You couldn't even reach the, the upper part. So, okay. Anyway. Yeah. So washing tires. So that, that business didn't work out for you. That didn't work out. So I didn't get a job. But about a year and a half later, I saw a kid um, older than me, obviously, but he was passing out the newspaper. And that's when, you know, you passed out newspapers. So I flagged yeah. him down and I said, how can I do what you're doing? And he connected me with the guy that that runs the newspaper and he gave me one paper route. You know, and the thing, you know, the just the automatic response is you can have one paper route. And I was like, why can't I have two? You know, so his thing was like, you just can't pass out all the papers in time. 
So I got my one paper route and the way it works is like, let's say, I can't remember the dollars, but let's say the paper cost $1. Mm-hmm. So we charge $3. And when I go collect, I pay the newspaper what I owe them and anything else for me is my money. That's how I work. Okay. So what I started doing is I noticed that some papers weren't getting picked up on time until the afternoon. So I thought of, hey, do you want me to not pass it out at seven in the morning? Do you have a special time that you want me to pass out? Yeah. Can you have it here by 10? Yeah, that's an extra dollar. <laughs> so you gave customized delivery service yes. for the newspapers. Yes. And the way I kept track is by writing everything down. We didn't have computers. We didn't have any of that stuff aging myself again, but yes. And it worked and customers were happy. And besides paying me, I got tips. And so I was like, <laughs> make, so you, I was making, so you weren't, you you weren't happy with the standard profit margin that delivery people got. So you wanted to increase that by adding customer service. Yeah, I was making bank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I bought myself a motorcycle. <laughs> okay. So I got one of those, they're called 80s. They're little motorcycles. And mm-hmm. um, I learned how to ride it. And then I went back to the newspaper. I said, now can I get two routes? <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you get two routes? I did. I got two routes and it lasted about two months before I wiped out with all the papers and the bike into the ditch. And that was the end of that story. <laughs> okay. But that did not stop you. You kept going, right? Yeah, I kept going. But um, you know, it was it was a good time. I think, man, I wish we still had newspapers because I would make my kids do it. Because it was really all up to us to go knock on the doors, collect the payment, sure. do the math, pay them, keep your, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, teachers responsibility yeah, and I wish they basic had business. Yeah. You, you can't do that now. Everything's in a iPad now, you know? Okay. Well, let's fast forward. You're definitely a, a, an entrepreneur and I understand that you uh, worked your way th- in high school. You were working at a very young age and a little birdie told me that you're actually working under age a few times. Uh, according to my ID, no, no, but yes, I did. I, you know, I, at 13, I grew, I was really tall compared to the people in El Paso. And that's the time when we wore the big curly hair. Mm -hmm. So I just looked older. So I was able to get an ID that said I was two years older and I was working at Wiener Stencil. I couldn't invite anybody to my quinceanera because they thought I was turning 17. Okay, but uh, so you you work your way th- you work your way through high school. I mean, you didn't have to, but you worked yeah. because you wanted that extra income. Yeah, and you know what? I don't understand why people don't want to work. I mean, I know a lot of people that work, but there's a lot of people that don't want to work. I had so much fun working. It's work, yes, but you're there with people your age. You know, when you're a teenager, and you're just having the best time playing jokes on everybody, and we just had a great time. I really did enjoy working and. And I, 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 you know, during Christmas time, I had two, three jobs that I did, you know, Spencer's and all that other stuff. Wow. So you've just been, I wouldn't call you a workaholic, but you just enjoy working. I did. I really did enjoy working. I could honestly. And you were making, and, then you're and ma- you were making, yeah. you're making some good money doing it too. Yeah. For a teenager. I didn't have, my parents didn't have to give me lunch money. If I, if I wanted to go to a quinceanera, they didn't have to give me money to buy a dress. I had it. 
And then I could buy whatever dress I wanted. <laughs> and not the one they could afford not or the said one, you were going to yes. I get it. I get it. So you've always had this little kind of independent attitude. I want something and I'm going to earn it or get it myself. I'm not going to depend on anybody else. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit. You're going and then high school graduation. Where, where were you at that high school and college? Was that an option? Not an option? So I was never told to go to college. It was just like at least graduate, you know, graduate high school. Um, but throughout my youth, I was told, oh, don't worry. When you get out of high school, your husband's going to take care of that and your husband this and your husband that. And that's what was ingrained in me. But I knew that I did not want to get married. So it was about a, uh, it was like about a month after I graduated high school, we were at the dinner table and I said to my dad, dad, I want to go to college. And he said in Spanish, you know, why, why don't you leave that for your brother? So in their mind, it's a waste of money and time if I'm just going to be a housewife. Right. So, <clears throat> so I went to my room and I thought, okay, I, I was already making plans. Okay. I'm not going to go to college. And then all of a sudden I just thought like, well, why not? And then I, I went to the kitchen and I told my mom, my dad was at work and I said, mom, I want to go to college. And I was expecting to have to fight for it. And my mom said, well, how do you go? And I said, well, I don't know, but I can go to community college and get a counselor. And my, me and my mom went and that's how it started. So my mom, I think my mom being a housewife, she wanted something different for me, but she, mm -hmm. she wasn't going to say it in front of my dad. So, um, she supported me and she's, my mom has been like my backbone and you know what? My dad too, I, you know, my dad's always supported me too, but his, his way of seeing and the way he was raised had to be changed a little bit. And I was here to do that. <laughs> and, and when I did, he's, he's supported me all the way. So I've had very supportive yeah. parents. But grew up in a very traditional, a woman is there to prepare for being a wife and a mother. Yes. And, you know, dinner came, my brothers would sit down and my dad would sit down and me and my mom were serving them. And that, and I don't mind that, you know, I don't mind. I love cooking. I love doing all that kind of stuff, but I, I just wanted to have opportunities and, um, my dad finally came around to the idea and said, yes. So you're in community, so you're in community college and then you're going to, then you started at UTEP. What were you majoring in? So, like I said, when my dad came around to me going to college, he said, okay, Mija, you can go to college, but you're going to be a teacher. <laughs> he chose that for you too. Yes. Huh? He chose that to me. And then he said, okay. the reason he liked it is because all the president's wives were teachers and it's a very respectable profession. So I said, okay, I, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll be a teacher. But what happened is by the time, by the way, I was in the nine year plan for college. So by the time, okay. by the time, you know, with community college and all that. So by the time I'm at my last year, like I had one semester to go before your senior year, when you're going to be a teacher back then, I don't know how it is now. You have to work as a teacher's aide for one whole year and not get paid for it. By this, not get paid for it? Not get paid. It's one year that you're working as a teacher's okay. aide. So um, by this time, I'm working at AT&T in the international department. And I had already moved up into leadership. So I was in a dilemma of, okay, so do I quit to go become a free student aid teacher 
And when I get to be a teacher, I'm going to be making less than I was already making. So now I finally got to go through college and I'm like, what the? I thought Why? going to college was going to open the doors for me and I'm going to be making less with a degree. So I was having a hard time, but at the same time, I was getting sick and I didn't realize it. Anyways, to make the long story short, I had a brain tumor. So the brain tumor kind of made the decision for me to drop out two years of surgeries and going through all that. So I dropped out of high school. I dropped out of college. A brain tumor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What? Why? How do you deal with it? I mean, it's not like brain tumors ran in the family or anything, is it? I mean, just. No. And nobody in the doctors don't know why you get it. You know, people just get it. But, you know, it's the funny thing is because I had been sick for some time. Headaches. Okay. You know, I, I learned to live with headaches. So, but it was, it was Halloween and they called me, I was at work and they called me and they said, Hey, can you come to the doctor's office? And I got to, I got to the doctor's office and they had a counselor. I mean, they had a whole setup there. They had someone I can talk to and I don't remember everybody that was there, but it was a lot of people and I'm like, okay. So I walk in and they, you know, they prepared to tell me and they said, I, we just want to tell you, we found out what's wrong. I'm like, okay, what? So we found that you have a tumor in your head. It's in the brain. It's right on top of it. And and everybody's looking at me and everybody's like, so, you know, we understand. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God. And everybody's like, what? Yeah. And that's exactly what everybody did. And I said, well, I mean, now you found out what's wrong with me. So fix it. You know? I, it was so long. I had been sick for so long. I had headaches. I was tired. Okay, so you you didn't you didn't realize why you were feeling that way. Now now you answer. Yeah. So now fix it. Now okay. we now we have an answer. Now you can fix it. But everybody was just like, you know, let me just tell you, it's just so sad. You know, and I was just like, no, 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 no. This is good news. We have we found it. It's not me going crazy. Just fix it. Just tell me what. Serve was like, all right, <laughs> you know. So you had to go through the chemo and the whole bit. Yeah, you yeah. you got you you get treated like a cancer patient. So it's chem chem. Well, I went through three surgeries: two through my nose, one through my head. I was still sick. They sent me to Rochester, Minnesota, Mayo Clinic. They removed my adrenal glands, so I don't have adrenaline. And um, they they radi- they did radiation on my pituitary gland. And, wh- and how long did that whole process take? <clears throat> About two and a half years. Wow. Did you have to relearn anything after the surgery? Nope. No. I mean, it, 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 it did take about a week to feel normal. Like my eyes hurt. I felt like I was talking a little bit slow, but you know, the feeling of waking up and having no pain was amazing. It was just amazing. Life, life changing. Life oh, changing yeah, yeah. Me. It's just like, oh, my God, is this how people really feel, you know? So I, I wasn't, like, sad or anything. It was just like, damn, you know, like, this is what I have to get through to feel better kind of thing, you know? Okay. So I understand during the process you gained a lot of weight, too, didn't you? Yeah, so the the tumor was on my pituitary gland, so I'm producing too much cortisone. So the, it's more of being bloated, like swollen so Mm -hmm. every single muscle 
and your body is growing. Plus, it's eating your bones, right? So yeah. the doctor, what he told my mom is he goes, yeah, I understand that the physical appearance is very important to your daughter because I was getting big. My hair was falling out. My skin was turning like a green color. I was getting pimples. It was just a whole, it was, they called me Hunchback of Notre Dame, by the way, at AT&T. And um, so it was this process, right? But the doctor said, what's important is that her heart's getting big and it can explode and her stomach is getting big, it can explode. So there was a race in time to get me better or it could be too late. Before you exploded. I exploded away and now it's everywhere. Okay. <laughs> That's one way of spreading yourself out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, okay, we can laugh about it now, but yeah. I'm sure it was horrifying for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went through that in your life, which I can't imagine, you know, going through a brain tumor. So once you were feeling better and you had, so you went back to what, AT&T? I went back to AT&T, but, um, so I think I was at AT&T for six, eight months more. And, Mm -hmm. um, during the time they were talking about, so can I back up real quick? So I did, I did have a little bit of a tragedy right afterwards. So I got better. And within six months, my brother passed away in a motorcycle accident. So my parents, I feel so bad for my parents, right? So we, we went through that and, you know, not realizing, I just realized about what insurance could have done for us. Oh, wow. You didn't have insurance. They didn't have insurance. Well, we didn't have life insurance because, you know, if you get life insurance, you, you throw salt, you know, you're cursing yourself and, you know, just the way we Latinos think, you know, and, and just all this time, you know, and I was just like, Oh my God. And my, you know, he, his girlfriend was four months pregnant. And so anyway, so we lost my brother and that was a big, you know, that was like about five years of ugliness. And then, so then I'm at work. And I heard that they were thinking of closing one of the AT&T call centers. And in El Paso, there's not a lot of management positions. So I didn't want to be out looking for a job with all the other managers. So I jumped shipped. I State Farm was brand new in the call center. And they were looking for people that came with experience for the call center for leadership positions. And I, mm-hmm. I applied and I got the position. So now I'm working at state farm in the after hours call center. Okay. 9-11 happened. I was there for 9-11. And then a year later is when um, I read it or I saw it. I can't remember how, but the FBI was looking to recruit um, special agents, secret agents, special agents, whatever they call them. And I applied knowing that I just, you know, I'm the type of person that I'll try everything once. You know, and it was just kind of, I'm going to do it, mom. I know I'm not going to get selected anyways, you know, type of thing, you know? (laughs) So I went and I applied and to make the long story short, it was about seven tests and I passed all of them. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So now I have to go to Kansas city for a panel interview with the people, you know, with everybody else in the United States that passed all the tests and you know, they send me there. I did the panel interview 
I did a written interview and then I had to do another one because I did the the translating thing. So I had an extra test. So I come back and I don't know, whatever the time frame was, I got called and I got selected to be a special agent for white collar crime, terrorism and kidnapping. I had to do, I, I had to do other little things. Like I had to run a mile and a half and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I was just like, but you, you got selected. I, got, I mean, I, I mean, that's, that is a, that is an impressive feat within itself. I mean, that is a very stringent, you know, type testing process that they do. So, wow. Yeah, Congratulations on that. Yeah, So it was one of those things like, what? <laughs> I'm going to what? You sure there's not a mistake? Yeah, you, no, said, just, me? you know, okay. you're waiting for them to call you like, we made a mistake. <laughs> we meant to call the other person, you know, but no. So now my mom, my dad, my whole family, everybody at state, state farm knows that I'm leaving the newspaper and wanted to do an article about homegrown, you know, going into the FBI. So it was a big deal. And I'm getting ready to leave. It was like two weeks before. And I get a call and said, hey, we're excited that you're coming, blah, 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 blah. You know? Yeah, I'm excited too. We need your doctor's release. And I'm like, my doctor's release? Nobody told me. And they said, well, we normally don't um, ask for them, but we were looking at your medical and we need that. So at that point, I didn't think it was going to be a problem. I was just going to go get my doctor's release, but my doctor wouldn't give it to me. Uh, I'm going to tell you that it was about four times that he had to kick me out of his office because I tried to get that release and. And he wouldn't give it to you. Why? I don't have adrenaline. I don't have adrenal glands. So, oh, okay. but I, you know, back then w when this happened, I could have gone. I know mm -hmm. I could have handled it. And by the way, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm not going to be in the field. I'm going to move up into the office so I'm going to do my time. And once I get a little bit older, I'm going to be in the office. So it was going to be okay. But my doctor would not take that chance and he didn't give me my release and I couldn't go. Imagine that was disappointing. I had never been disappointed about a job ever. Cause I always thought, well, if I can't get that one, I'll get another one. But I was very sad and disappointed. And I had to go back and ask for my job at state farm and, you know, my director was great. He said, yes, we would love to have you back. But you know what? We want you to interview for a position in Austin. And I got that position and I moved to Austin. And it was the right time for me because normally I want to leave El Paso. That's where my family is. But I need, it was a good time. It was, the, it was time. It's a good change. It was a good change. And I had an, another thing to look for. I, you know, had a, my own house because, you know, you don't leave your parents' house until you're married. So I was buying my own house, I, you know, so it was a different life. So I was excited. You're, you're living an independent life, a non-traditional independent life for a, a young Latina. Yes, which is... From El Paso. Yes, which I shouldn't have, right? Because you don't leave your house until you're married. Right. You should have been married by now. You should have been having kids. And, and you don't leave your family. And I'm moving far away from my family. So, but that changed your life. It changed my life. And, I, and I'm glad I did it. So how did you... Um, you came to Austin, and then uh, at what point did you become an independent contractor for State Farm? So I came to, uh, in three years. So I came to Austin. I was, I worked in, you know, I'm the one that read the medical reports when you, when people apply for a life policy. I'm the one that mm -hmm. read the medical and determined what, if they got it or they not, or they were rated. And then I was there for eight months, and then I moved into being the manager of that department. And then um, my house burned down. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. I'm just, what? Yes. 
So your house burned down? Yes, my house burned down. It was my truck. It was a Ford F-150 that had a recall. And I parked it in the garage and I went to El Paso and it caught on fire and burned my house down. But here's here's the thing. Did, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but did you have insurance on it? Of course I had insurance, okay. JR. I was, just, I was just asking. I was just asking. Okay. So your your house burned down. Yeah. Basically, the girl from the third, the third floor came down to my floor and paid me. <laughs> but but um, what, what happened at that point is when my house burned down, I also worked at Christian Dior. I did the, the makeup. And I was also an instructor for the University of Phoenix at all at the same time. So at that time, um, what happened is State Farm said, well, you're going to be living in an apartment until they build your house. So my house burned down two weeks before Katrina. So I, okay. so I couldn't get anybody to build my house because everybody's over there in Louisiana, right? So it took a long time. Mm -hmm. So State Farm says, we want to give you a developmental opportunity and we want you to work at agents' offices. Since you're you're not gonna be you don't have a house anyways, we can set you up in a in a hotel in San Antonio. And we had what's called a promotion for life insurance. And what they wanted me to do is to go to different agents' offices and help them sell life insurance. So you work in a cubicle and then you work at an agent's office where I can take lunch and go to. I was just like, how do I get this job? You know? Mm. And that's what triggered me to become a state farm agent. Well, I, I got that development opportunity and I never went back. I never went back to the corporate life. There you go. So in a sense, and now as an independent contractor, you're, you're virtually your own boss, right? You have your own agency, Correct. you got your own staff. Yeah. And you, 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 you do what you want to do. Yes. Okay. I have to ask this. You vote. It seems like all through your life, you had multiple jobs. Are you focused in on this job or do you still have other little side hustles? I, I am focused on this, okay. on this job. It, it's, I have a I have a side hustle of two kids. <laughs> <laughs> so you finally got married, huh? I finally got married and I finally became a mom. Hooray. I'm sure that made your dad happy. Yes, I I think at this time they were just they they um that wasn't their dream for me anymore. I mean they're ha obviously happy, you know, but yeah. um they were, you know, I became a business owner and you know, we I did very well. You know, when I first started, I did very well. And, and, um, so I think they were, whatever you want to do me, you know, we'll be happy for you. Yeah. They were supportive. I mean, they've always been supportive, but they saw that you were following your own path and being very successful at it. Yeah. So with this, um, I want to bring it up again to, and congratulations again on the million dollar round table. What, uh, the, the, the fact that you're bilingual did, did that help you in, in the business or in, in the industry it's helped me a lot in my business um when i first opened up my agency uh, you know obviously there's a lot of insurance agents that speak spanish but with state farm i was one of the new ones here in austin so uh, i was in south austin i mean yeah that was just ridiculous how it helped me i mean i had one customer that that wanted someone that spoke spanish and they said for the first time I understand insurance and they brought everybody else they knew and then they brought everybody else they knew and then they brought everybody else that they knew. So yeah, Spanish helped me a lot. Um, yeah. And now, you know, I was a newer agent back then. So, you know, I did what newer agents do, you know, the PNC and that kind of stuff. And then um, mm -hmm. actually I did go back to corporate. So I was in South Austin for about 
three and a half years and State Farm asked me to go back into corporate and train the future State Farm agents. They go through an eight month program. So I managed that department for six states. And I did, wow. yeah, so I did that for about six years. And then I always knew I wanted to become an agent. I always knew I wanted to be back. So the opportunity came that I finally got pregnant and was going to become a mom and I didn't want to travel. I mean, I was living out of a suitcase and I said, it's time for me to go back to agency. And that's when I'm here in Round Rock. And customer base is completely different than back when I first started demographics, you know, and now we have a lot of, a lot of Spanish speaking customers from different Latin countries, not just Mexico. Mm -hmm. So now I have Venezolanos, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Dominicans, everything, you know, Colombians. So I have a lot of big business owners um, that are just Spanish speaking. Or because, they're bilingual, but they prefer to speak, you know, they prefer to do business in Spanish. Right. Yeah. Okay. And because you take care of them so well, they start bringing their family and friends to you as well. Yeah. And the and it continues. That is great. It continues. That is great. Yeah. And if they're business owners, then I get their employees. And then, you know, so it just, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's a, so let me ask you this. Now that you're successful, do you wear pantyhose and have a briefcase? I do not. <laughs> I do okay. not wear pantyhose. <laughs> And I do not have a briefcase, but I, now, I have the new age pantyhose and briefcase. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I understand that when you were young, at one point you wanted to be a truck driver. So are you glad you didn't go down that trail? Yes. My dad scared me. He said, if you become a truck driver, your bumpies, you know, my buttocks are going to be squared. <laughs> squared and flat. <laughs> we, would, we wouldn't want that. <laughs> I wanted to be a truck okay. driver, and then I wanted to be a nun. Okay. I'm not going to comment on that. Yes. For a very... A nun? Yes. A nun? A nun? Yes. Okay. I wanted to be a nun. I just thought it would be so beautiful, and then I... What the? No, I don't want to be a nun. <laughs> okay. All right. We all have choices in life, and you have uh, definitely have... Uh, seems like you pick, pick some good paths for yourself, but but you know what? If you would have been a truck driver, I'm sure you would have been an excellent truck driver. If you would have been a nun, you would have probably been Mother Superior by now. Um, <laughs> you definitely have that can-do type attitude. Alejandro, one of the things I uh, really respect about you, and, and uh, before we wrap up here, is that you give back to community. You've been successful, but you're always, or no, Ben, you are successful, extremely successful, but you still believe in giving back, and you're always willing to help others. Why is that? You know, I just think it's our duty. We have to, we can't close the door behind us. We, we, you know, I didn't have role models until I saw that lady that walked in with the briefcase and um, pantyhose and it made a big difference in my life. And I just feel that we, we are responsible for making those differences to the younger generation. We are responsible to take care of the community that we live in you know, by whatever, you can donate time or you can donate money, you can create programs, whatever it is. So make the community better, you know, the next generation better. And then I'm an animal lover and, and I support a lot of the animal rescues. Oh, how many, how many pets do you have? I'm down to four. I have, I have two pigs and. Whoa, 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 whoa. You have pigs? Yeah. I have Batman and Oink Oink and uh, I have a tortoise. And her name is Lupita. 
And then I have a dog and his name is Popcorn. Popcorn, Lupita, Oink Oink, and what else? Batman. Batman. Okay, what kind of pigs are these? Potbelly pigs. They're very, they're very you, cute. You are a different type of person. <laughs> and we love you for it. <laughs> hey, before we before we go, I know there's uh, probably some Latina listeners out there, or just Latina, Latinos, whatever, just any one of our listeners. What advice do you have in, for anybody who who faces adversity, who has obstacles, whether it be physical, uh, you know, health issues or mental or, or whatever, you seem to have been through a lot and over and overcome them successfully. So what advice do you have for anybody who may be facing something similar that you've once faced in your lifetime? So <clears throat> one thing that I always tell myself, it's, it's only a period of time, right? So if you're going through something difficult or you're going through medical, it's only going to be a period of time and then it's going to get better. So you always have to remember that it's only a period of time before things get better. It's not forever. And then the second thing that I would always tell them is always don't let nobody tell you who you are. And, you know, being in corporate America, I got told about I shouldn't wear hoops. I, you know, I shouldn't have my long eyelashes. I shouldn't wear stilettos, whatever, whatever it is. Nobody could put you in a box. You continue to be who you are. Never give up. And everything is always in a, it's only a period of time. Good advice. Good advice. Well, once again, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez. I'm your host. You can find the Latino Business Report wherever you listen to podcasts. You also can visit us at latinobusinessreport.com. If you go to YouTube, if you're a YouTube listener and user, we have our entire library also on YouTube. Thank you very much. And for the listeners, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I want to give a special little shout out to two people who live in Georgia, Paula and Nicola. You've been avid listeners since the beginning. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you check your mail, I have just sent you two Latino Business Report shirts. I hope I got the size right. And thanks for listening. Alejandra, once again, thank you so much for being with us on today's show. Thank you, JR. Thank you for your time. All right, folks, until next time, we got some exciting episodes coming up. Stay tuned. Visit us at our website. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under the same name, Latino Business Report. 